Welcome to episode 8 of the Fit for Golf podcast. The goal of this podcast is to share insightful and entertaining conversations about golf, fitness and health. This episode is with Oliver Wilson. Ollie has been a pro since 2004. In that time frame, he has 9 runner-up finishes on the European Tour, 1 European Tour win and also played on the 2008 Ryder Cup team. Ollie will be the first to say his career has had extreme highs and also some very challenging periods. Listen in and learn how Ollie is getting back to top form. Before we start the podcast, I want to make sure you are all aware of the Fit for Golf app. It is the only golf fitness resource you will ever need and is currently being used by six PGA Tour players, two European Tour players and thousands of amateurs all over the world. Check it out on www.fitforgolf.blog and use the code PREMIUM50 to get a one-month trial for just $6. You will not find it in the App Store. You must go to the website. Now, to Ollie Wilson. Ollie Wilson, thank you very much for joining me. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on. So you're currently in Cyprus, preparing for this week's European Tour event, and you were just filling me in on a, a little bit of a setback, potentially? Yes, yeah, so I'm in Cyprus. We've got two weeks back-to-back, which uh, we're at uh, Aphrodite Hills, which looks phenomenal. I think it's going to be amazing on TV to watch. Um, but yeah, so last week there was a, a couple of um, positive tests for COVID, so uh, my caddy's a contact of a contact who uh, who was actually now tested positive so he's not able to come so currently as we stand i'm caddyless just trying to figure that one out for the next two weeks which is normally relatively easy to overcome but a five-hour flight from the uk um with a test you need a test within 72 hours of flying and then you have to get a test when you get here um so it's a little bit more complicated than uh, than normal. So just trying to navigate that this week. So it's all fun and games. Yeah, you might be looking for a high quality push cart over the next couple of days. Well, well the course looks phenomenal for a reason. It's it's very hilly. Um, so so uh, a trolley isn't an option. So I'm actually carrying my bag. I bought a little moon bag this morning. So I'm going to carry my bag for the next couple of practice days. And then hopefully by Thursday, we'll have figured out the situation and we'll know... Uh, if there's any spare caddies floating around, but I've got Excellent. I've got an option actually. Scott from Scott the rep the Callaway reps here, um, so he's going to caddy on Thursday this week if if need be, um, and then that just leaves me uh, needing to sort out next week. Excellent, Ollie. I'm going to kick off um, this podcast with a little quote I got from you this morning when I was watching uh, the European Tour. You did a video segment for them the quest for a perfect golf swing. (laughs) So my game has been very up and down over the years. I've worked with quite a few coaches and what I've realized is that every coach has an opinion and it's subjective. I hated that. I wanted something more black and white. Through my swing troubles, I learned about basically every technology out there, enough for me to be able to analyze and have an understanding so I could question my coaches and work with them and have the science to back it up. So that suggests to me that you have been on uh, quite a bit of a journey and maybe your approach to development and practice and coaching has changed a little bit. 
yeah, it's it's definitely been a journey. Um, yeah, I I, I guess uh, I guess I got to start back from when I was a junior. I had a, an awful golf swing. Um, actually, that's that's unfair, and it was an awful looking golf swing. But um, on the way down through impact was pretty good, um, but it was inconsistent because my backswing was atrocious, um, and I always fought hitting a, having a hook. Um, but I played well and I had a great junior career um, by just learning to play golf, which was probably, you know, looking back is one of the best things I could ever do because you were constantly having to figure out how to play golf and learn. But it was inconsistent and it was there was always going to be a ceiling to how far I could go with that. So uh, when I turned pro, I went to see Mitchell Spearman. I just played Walker Cup and, and led the um, GB&I team out on Sunday against Bill Haas. Yeah. Played great all week. Was uh, just finished college. Had been a three-time All-American, um, and I went to see Mitchell Spearman the week after the Walker Cup. Walked onto the practice ground, and we did like half an hour videoing, and then went into his um, into his studio, and he was flabbergasted. He he couldn't believe that I'd just played the Walker Cup with what I was swinging, how I was swinging, um, and I often. I've posted it on social media a few times over the years because uh, it's good to look back on and realize how far you've come, but it is, it is pretty horrific. Um, but uh, from that point on, you know, I was starting to get answers and figure things out. But um, I guess one of the best lessons I learned was uh, certainly in hindsight, um, when I worked with Pete Cowan in uh, 2000 and maybe six, seven, eight or seven and eight, 2007 and eight. Um, it was very, very simple. We worked on the same things day in, day out. And because we didn't have the iPhones back then, when, I, when I'd look on video, it was through Pete's view, uh, viewfinder. So it was oh, yeah. tiny. You, you couldn't see anything. Um, and he'd say something and we're like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But it was so simple. And we worked on the same things day in, day out. I knew what I was working on, but it took me a long way. Um, I had a lot of success in that period, but it wasn't, I wasn't getting the results I needed um, to satisfy the need for getting better. You know, I still struggled with my driver. Um, it wasn't wasn't great. Ball striking wasn't great, but the rest of my game was phenomenal. Um, yep. But that's not uh, that's not a key to success long term. You've got, in, you've got to certainly, as you look now, you've got to be a good ball striker. And just interesting there, Ali, which kind of strikes me as a sign of your desire to improve and be really good in. Six, seven, eight, nine. You finished seventy first, thirtieth, eleventh, and seventh in the European Tour Order of Merit. So you were still improving and getting better, but you're maybe saying that that was more down to like how well you were able to pitch, pot, kind of scramble around, as opposed to play the type of golf that you wanted to with with a bit more control and and maybe confidence in the long game. Yeah, my, my short game over that period and my putting was. Um phenomenal it was it was very very high it was by far the strength but but what the probably the best strength of all that which I didn't know realize at the time was although my ball striking wasn't very good in terms of quality it was straight mm-hmm. you know so I was generally always in play but I played frustrating golf you know I was frustrated after every round because just wasn't hit in the middle of the club face um so it you know it takes a toll like over a period of time um then I changed from Pete and actually had my best year um, in 2009, um, doing a little bit on my own and a little bit with Hugh Marr. Um, 
and from that point on i i i got um i was ill for six months and and didn't know it I had a parasite um that i picked up on tour um which which was a not an overly pleasant thing uh then i broke my wrist the following year so i had some ups and downs and during that i was trying to improve and change in swing coaches and just struggled and fell off the face of the earth basically um and worked with a few guys that wasn't really getting the info that i needed and uh it just it just led me down the path of technology and i started to realize that you know coaches all have different opinions um nobody really agrees on everything um and i just realized that i needed to embrace technology and i like i've, I've always liked exploring and, and seeing what's out there and seeing different opinions but I was hoping going down the technology route was going to give me some much much more black and white answers and it it helped for sure it, it enabled me to sort of navigate through the the turmoil I guess um, and come out the other side um, but again uh, sort of looking back, what I also realise is you need someone to, someone who really understands that technology to decipher it and give you the the cliff notes basically and just yeah. simplify everything. It can be a rabbit I, hole. Absolutely, you know, force plates, three D um, biomechanical suits, everything. Um, then you, you start throwing in the TrackMan data and GC Quad and just basically everything that's out there. Um, yeah. which is great fun and you get a lot of answers but again you know it can show up so many things there is no perfect answer out there um, so you've got to find what works best for you and um, at, at the time I, I guess I just skip back to 2014 when I won the Dunhill I was playing awful before that and I went I started seeing Rob Rock and within two weeks without using any technology it was just simplified and I started hitting the ball well, and I started driving it well, and um, I played great the week at, at the Dunhill in uh, at St Andrews, yeah, and, and, and got for a anybody, win. Sorry, Ari, for anybody listening who who isn't familiar with that story, you won the Alfred Dunhill Links in 2014 on a sponsor's exemption after losing your card in 2012. So you kind of 2012 and 2013, kind of without status as such. Is that correct? Yeah, 2013 was was awful. That was the low point for sure. I was I was on the Challenge Tour and I was I was horrific. Um, I just couldn't get it on. Couldn't get the the, the driver in play at all. Um, so it was looking pretty grim that year. Um, and I kept kept going. And and 14 was not great either. I was struggling, but decided to um, send some swings to Rocky um, and he came back with this big long email uh, i've told this story many times so apologies but um had this big long email of stuff so i went and got up the next day went early to the course i'd shot one over the first day um and that's when i sent the email because i was so frustrated after the one over i played i putted great got up and down from everywhere for one over par is this a couple of um, weeks before the dunhill you said yeah this is i think this is three weeks before the okay dunhill. yeah um so shot one over was frustrated sent rocky an email he came back with one with the time zone i picked it up in the morning read through it and kind of got quite excited about what he was saying went straight to the range hit balls for a couple of hours before i played i hit three wood down the middle of the fairway and hold a sand wedge on the very first hole 
was like, oh, and but they were really pure shots as well. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, and is this is this challenge tour or European this tour? Is European? Challenge tour yeah. it, this is challenge tour, but it's the it was in Kazakhstan. It was the biggest event of the year. So okay. if you if you played well, if you finished top two or three, maybe you'd get your card. Um, and then I I hit a seven iron to a foot on the next, and then I think I made eagle on the third. Um, so I've gone eagle birdie eagle to start and not missed a shot. Um, and I was stood on the 18th tee, 10 under leading. Um, I bogeyed the 18th, but it was a great round of golf. And suddenly I was had a bit of uh, excitement about my game. And I stumbled a bit over the weekend, but still played pretty nicely. Um, and then after that, I got an invite into the Dunhill and nearly didn't go because there was a Challenge Tour event on at the same week. And I was thinking, well, if I play well, I could get my card. Yeah. But I, lo- I love the Dunhill and I've always played well there um it, it kind of inspires me up there and so I decided to go and I spent the next two weeks with Rocky just breaking it all down um and we we hit thousands of balls over the those next two weeks um and went up to Dunhill and, and played great and won so it was it was bizarre I mean it was an amazing week something I'll never forget um but unfortunately that you know it, I was coming from such an extreme place with my swing that that all pulled me back to this sweet spot for a little while and then we kind of went a little bit too far and it was just really hard to find that balance um rocky was playing playing on tour and he was just starting to coach well, he was coaching me but it was awkward to kind of find the right balance with me playing so many weeks um and i struggled a little bit with my swing for a while and and tried a few other options that didn't work so I basically ended up coming back to um, Rocky and, and Liam, who Liam James, who he works with um, last year. And um, it's been it's been great. I've been swinging it much better. So it's been a long journey. In, in between that, I worked with James Ridyard for a couple of years, who, who helped me a lot as well, got me get me back on track. And I won won a couple of times on the Challenge Tour in, in 2018. And then I've been um, following played really solid last week, uh, last year. I've been following James's stuff quite a bit, um, and he seems to be almost. I know he started as a as a swing coach, and then became like an extremely highly renowned short game specialist. And it seems like he's trending back towards doing everything now again. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think he. Um, I think he's had an int- interesting journey as well. He he started out as a swing coach. Um, he was. He came out on tour a little bit, and I think he struggled with it. He didn't. He didn't really. Um, he obviously he can explain it better, but I think he he probably didn't have all the answers. And on tour is a quite a hard place to be if you don't have all the answers, or at least James is very honest with his opinions. He's not going to lie to you. Um, and if he didn't have the answer, some players are okay with that. Some players aren't, and it, it didn't really yeah. work. And he went away and became an absolute star at the short game you know he's he knows it inside out and i've i've never met anyone who's as good a short game as him so he he he, as a short game teacher sorry he he's brilliant um but then i started doing a little bit short game with him and got him to look at the long game and we we went down that route and he helped me a lot um and now he's kind of he's working with mateo he's working with francesco on the long game so it's yeah, it's kind of gone full circle, um, and I think he's got a lot more answers now, and um, I think he enjoys doing both. Yeah, really interesting. When you're talking about the different points in your career when you had periods of success, 
whether it being with different coaches, uh, say pre the technology area era, or now when you have, say, the numbers and objective data to back up what's actually happening. Can you um, see a pattern in the types of feelings you have in your swing or the types of trajectories you have in your shots that are constant in those different periods over kind of the last 15 years, I suppose? There's, um, there are similarities, but what, what's interesting and what is a little bit awkward to get your head around is, you know, like I, I always go back to kind of 2009, which was the year that I, um, I can't remember exactly where I finished T to uh, in, in like greens in regulation, but I was pretty high up. I maybe like top 15 on tour, um, which was for me fantastic. Um, and I, you know, I was top 35 in the world. I'd, I'd played re- really consistently in 2009. Um, but that's, you know, looking back now, that's 11 years ago. You know, I, I was a different person. Mm-hmm. I had a different body back then. I was nowhere near as strong um, and as fit as I am now. Um, and my swing was completely different. Um, you know, maybe to the untrained eye, it didn't look that much different. But now it's a lot, it's just a lot stronger. It's a, I pivot a lot better. Um, I apply a lot more force. It's a lot quicker. Um, so those feelings aren't going to be the same because I'm a different person um, and I'm also mentally a different person. So it's very easy. Something I've kind of figured out, I guess, this year is I've been constantly trying to get back to certain feelings and um, ideas and and also kind of trying to think the same. But it doesn't work because I'm, I'm different and that's OK. Um, I'm sort of learning to deal with that. Um, and when you've been doing it a long time, you, you start to re- you, things that have worked, you kind of cling to. Um, so you go back over all your good results and like, well, I did that, 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 that was consistent. I always did that. So that means I need to keep doing that now. And that's not the case. You know, you, you have to kind of learn and figure out what works for you now, not just back then. So that you obviously can learn from that, but, um, that's something that's really stood out this year that I'm trying to, I'm, I'm becoming, I've reinvented my game a little bit and I need to learn how to play with that. And fortunately, this year with it being so disjointed and and unusual it's given me an opportunity to really explore the speed option and the strength option and and see what that gives me off the tee and really all all my swing frustrations have shown up in the driver Um, and this year has really given me an opportunity to try and figure that out and work through that so I mean for people who don't know, the last three years, I basically drove it off the deck. I hit driver off the deck everywhere because I got to a point where I was so bad off the tee. I just needed to get it in play. And I figured, well, I drive it off the deck. Great. Because that in sort of my swing faults are directly against what, what happens with the driver off the deck. So it gives me a lot of confidence to do that. But for me to be the player I want to be and win the tournaments I want to do that I want to win, you can't do that all the time. Now I've turned it into a strength. So there's certain courses that it really suits and it really gives me an advantage, but not all of them. So I need to be able to do both. So this year's have been all about getting longer um, and driving it better, um, which I have definitely done. I just haven't quite figured out how to play with that week in week out on, on certain courses, but 
there's been a lot of positives from it. Um, and I maybe neglected some of the other areas of my game whilst I was going down that route, but I'm starting to put that all together now. Um, so I'm quite excited what, what lies ahead, but it's been very interesting this year. As, I mean, and as you know, you know, you're, you're big into training for speed um, and figuring that question out, how, how best to do it, not just for, for amateurs, but for a tour pro, because it's quite awkward. You know, it's a, the periodization of it all is really tricky to gain when you're on tour playing week in, week out. It's if you're just at home sleeping in the same bed, working at the same gym, it's a lot easier. But when you're traveling week in, week out, it's tricky. So, you know, we're always trying to learn and explore and see how we can become better. And um, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to Bryson at some point, but he's, yeah. he's been an amazing advocate for that this year. And, um, what he's done and how he's been able to put it into play straight away is a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, what's been what's been great, Ali. I was I was like I've been following you reasonably closely, kind of basically since we first got in touch about four years ago. Which um, very quick side note was extremely random. I was looking. I don't even know if you remember this, but uh, I put out a tweet that I was just after moving to the US. And I needed help with uh, with a visa situation. Basically, I needed an attorney. And I just put out a tweet, does anybody know an immigration attorney in the US? And we had never spoken, never been in any contact at all. And you just sent me a private message on Twitter saying, this guy X name is who you need to get in contact with. And I've been using him since. He's been great. But I've been following you closely since then. And what was really cool to see, I was I was looking through your your results on the European tour throughout your career and your stroke average in 2019. So before this season, which was, you know, hugely affected with COVID was your second best ever stroke average. The only one that was better was 2009. So even though your say finish in the race to Dubai or the order of merit wasn't as high as it had been in that kind of uh, 06 to 09 period, you were literally averaging better scores than, the year you qualified for the Ryder Cup team, you know, which is which is a sign of what you were saying. There is definite improvements in the trend in your game. Yeah, um, but yeah, just back to that. I'd been following you for a while, I think, on social media because I, I, the content you've been putting out is fantastic. Um, and as you know, I refer a lot of people to to you because I I, I love working out and I find it very interesting to see an experiment and see what works. Um, so. Yeah, I've been following you, and and I, I love your work. Um, but yeah, so so to the to the last year's stroke average, I think I made twenty of twenty seven cuts last year. Yeah, which is pretty good. I, I was pretty pleased with that, um, and I had a very high level of consistency. Uh, I think I had a second, third, and a fourth, and a fifth. Um, but I just wasn't able to capitalize on it enough. Um, but that was all pretty much hit and drive off the deck. So, you know, I know that I've got that in the bag. Um, but like I said earlier, I want to develop driving it uh, to maximizing the driver. Um, and then I feel like if I can, I, I, I put on quite a bit of distance this year. So I know now my capabilities for driving it properly, or I say driving it properly off a tee. Um, <laughs> if I can maximize that and have driver off the deck as a backup I feel like it, it was a fantastic combination. Um, but yeah, so this year I've been kind of trying to not hit it off the deck. Um, and now I'm trying to find that blend. So it's uh, it's been fun. 
How much distance do you lose off the deck versus when you tee it up with the driver? Well, it depends on the course, obviously, but um, so I, I and and it also depends on the length of the, the on the soil of the tee. <laughs> so normally, I I just bang a little bit of a, yeah, a turf tee it. up, and and some tees are fantastic for it, and some aren't. So it depends. If I can get a decent tee, I can carry it. 265 270 off the t- off the deck why do i just take um, it really low have you ever tried that it, just t- yeah i've tried it Every, everybody says that but no it when when i tee it up on a on an actual wooden tee it just subconsciously i want to Hit lean on it. swing yeah. i just i just want to get on top of it so i move on to it laterally i get very steep um and it just doesn't work but hitting it off the deck i sent my pivots much more centered um obviously it promotes a little bit of steepness hitting it off the deck but it eliminates left so i'm just a lot freer doing that but it's like i said the the t length that or the, the length of the grass on the on the mm-hmm. t boxes is can be an issue and uh if the course is wet obviously you're not going to fly it very far so you're going to lose quite a lot of distance so it's not ideal in those situations when so that's when i really need to be able to tee it up and and maximize it so um yeah, so that's basically what I'm working towards and where I've got to. But um, I'm pretty happy with the work I've done with Liam this last year. We've done a full year now, um, and I've, sw- I've I've never I've never swung it better really than this year. In the, in the summer when I first started back on the UK swing, that was the best I've ever hit the ball for a period of time consecutively in my entire career. So. Um, Unfortunately, my strength of my putting and short game, well, mainly my putting was atrocious over that period. So I didn't really get into contention, but um, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited with where it's all going and just trying to put it all back together now. Yeah, no, that's great. A question that was popping into my mind as you were going through that stuff about mainly the driver and trying to optimize it, does um, choosing equipment or a driver setup become a challenge when you're going from hitting off the deck versus off a tee? Do you find that some of the things you want in a driver you can hit off the deck are maybe not the same as, you know, trying to optimize when you're going to be teeing it up? Um, yeah, I've, I've experimented a little bit with different options, but to be honest, um, my driver um, has been fine. Um, just switching between the two. Um, so I'm using my, my, maverick um and it's 90 it's eight degrees sorry um and it's fine it, i can switch between the two quite nicely um i am what's been a little bit awkward switching between at the moment is the fact that now i'm hitting it further i'm hitting it about three to four degrees on the up when i'm when i'm teeing it up yeah obviously that that attack angle doesn't really work for off the deck obviously you need to be a little steeper so yeah just i just need to figure out exactly probably through ball position more than anything um where i need to be with my new with my newer swing with with my swing as it is now um and obviously that then has a little bit of an effect on alignment so it's just navigating that and figuring that all out um, on the course in under tournament conditions um but we're getting there so i i hit a couple off the deck last week in or two weeks ago in scotland um which was uh yeah, it was, it was encouraging just being able to just switch between the two. So um, 
whether whether it means I may need to try and reduce my um, angle of attack with the when I tee the driver up to just a little bit less, so there's not as big a dispersion between the two, then that may be the answer. But um, yeah, just trying to figure all that out. Yeah, no, that that's interesting. Like I've had a, a couple of weeks this year where um, I've been fortunate enough to go out on the PGA Tour with a couple of the players that I've been helping, and one of the first things that struck me on the range was. And this was even like the week of the PGA Championship in Harding Park, how much tinkering players were doing with their driver setups. Like I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and even tournament days. Like there's people changing weights and driver heads 20 minutes before teeing off in a major. (laughs) Uh, And like on the practice days, there was literally players with eight or 10 different drivers nailing them down the range, no, 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 maybe, maybe, handing them back to an equipment rep who would run up to the tour truck, get some adjustment done and come back down. I was really amazed with basically how quickly players are happy to, to switch things, just check it, does it work better, yes or no, and then move on. That's why I started interested to see how much tinkering you'd done with the driver when you're hitting kind of two very different shots and it was an area that you felt was, was very important for you to improve. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I I do not like tinkering with my clubs at all. I mean, I, I once I'm happy, I just I just stick with it. Um, I've messed around with um, just basic stuff with my driver early in the year because um, I'm trying to. I, I want to try and create one shape of shot um, off the tee, yeah. and if I can do that, it certainly frees up my mind. But I hit it, when I'm swinging it well. I'm very neutral. But the problem with that is it could be a slight slight cut. It could be a slight draw. Where do you aim? Um, de- depending on my timing. So that's that can be an issue. So I thought I'll I'll try with going with the draw and I just just changing the weight and the um, the the setup of the club to promote that. But it just I can feel it. I can feel the club face out of the top being in a very different position and mm-hmm. reacting to that. And it's just not something I like. So. I've just gone back to having it pretty neutral um, and I'll I'll kind of do what I need to do through my swing than actually changing the club. But, you know, some guys are, are completely opposite and, and they'd rather do that. But the way that's, you know, it just leads you on to technology and, and that's the way technology is now. It, it's, it's so easy to adjust. You can do it 20 minutes before you tee off and be pretty confident that you're going to go out and have something better. You know, it's it's so easy to do. It's so easy to check with, with, uh, I mean, I use a GC quad because the club data is so accurate. Um, you can just get on there and see what it's doing and you know exactly what shape is coming. And, um, it's just certainly different. You know, it's different than it used to be 10, 15 years ago. It was a lot more complicated. Now it's, you can change clubs so easily and flick through. And there's, there's still a lot of guys that love tinkering, um, from day to day. Um, I'm just not one of them. Searching, yeah. So we we talked a lot about sort of your instruction and, say, I suppose, swing and, and physical development. What about the mental game and psychological stuff, Ali? Like, I imagine the sort of 15 years you've had, there's probably been challenges that on that side of things too, like how you're dealing with things not going quite how you'd like and mm-hmm. probably needing to show, you know, some patience, probably having moments where you're like, I quit, but I'm done, <laughs> and things like that. Um, 
have there been any approaches you've you've taken there or I know it's probably a, a long and maybe multi-layered question but have you found your approach to golf is is different your mindset is different and where I'm leading to with this is I I did um remember listening to you on a podcast before and one of the things you talked about was working with a sports psychologist and the psychologist was kind of trying to get you to have the mindset that you know it's only really a game it's not that important and what you found with that and this is no disrespect to sports psychologists at all but I've read tons of these books and we did a little bit of sports psychology in college and one of the sort of things that I see and it's exactly what you said and it it really hit home with me and you said it is that basically all that did for you was make it easier for you to accept performances that you weren't happy with rather than actually improving your performances. And you found that it was maybe just like you're actually focusing and grinding less because you're trying to just be, ah, golf's not that important. Just just play, have fun. But that's not really much good if if golf is your job, if, if you're completely uh, being judged on performances, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster. It's been, it's been a, a proper mental roller coaster. It's it's been some highs, extreme highs and extreme lows. Um, you need good people around you. Um, my wife's fantastic. I've got a great family, um, but I also have good people around me who have who, just to talk to. You know, just to discuss things with. Um, you you need to be able to chat and just unload get some advice here and there whether it's your manager caddy friend trainer anyone anyone close that you can confide in you need that um it's a it's such a mentally exhausting game playing professional golf every week um you know every every week or pretty much every week you don't win um and you're trying to win so you're just dealing with that and you, you you've got to build confidence so you can't have such high expectations, but it's just trying to find that balance where basically zero expectation, you go out there and enjoy and you're playing nicely and things happen. And, you know, whether people call it getting in the zone, but to me, you know, that doesn't happen that often. Um, but it's nice when it does, but it's just about having more mental clarity um, and certainly searching, seeing loads of different golf coaches, reading through different swing books, seeing different stuff online doesn't help at all. You know, you end up having so many things in your head that it's very hard to decipher through. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the psychologist you're talking about is a very renowned one. Um, and I did that for, we worked for about a year and I was happy. I was enjoying myself but my results were rubbish and I just, there was no, I I guess I didn't achieve what, what he wanted me to achieve or to do it how he wanted me to. Um, And it just didn't work. I was, I was making a bogey. I'm like, Oh, that's okay. You know, it's, it's very intricate golf. And I think you need a little bit of fear in there to guide you around the golf course. I, I don't know how Rory plays, you know, Rory plays golf, how I, I, I think Rory plays golf how I would love to be able to play. It just looks so free-flowing, aggressive, never any thought for what could go wrong. It's just 
that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to going to do. Um, hence why he's amazing, but he also can make quite a few mistakes. Um, but he goes for it all the time, which I love. But you've got to match that with with your game, and and that's not my game. Um, so trying to figure out what is my game, and and you like I said earlier, I, I go back to what has worked in the past, but it's been very stressful. You know, you're always trying to keep an even keel. So if something bad happens, don't get too dipped down. But then equally, if something good happens, I'm not rewarding myself either. So it, it's not a very uh, rewarding existence doing that, even when you play well. And that's something that I've learned more recently that I need to enjoy it a little bit more. And like, also, like I said earlier, you, I've been doing it for 15 years. I'm a different person. I've got a family now. When I first came on out on tour, I was, I was, uh, invincible. You know, whatever anybody said, it didn't matter. I was just yeah. gung ho. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'll do. Um, but then over a period of time and you get some develop some scar tissue, you realize you're not invincible and things can happen to you. Um, and you get a different perspective on things. Um, and, having a family now I've got a little boy certainly changed my perspective on things what really matters and I'm I feel like I'm kind of a lot less a lot more relaxed about my golf now um and you know there's been ups and downs so you learn to navigate that and you realize that you have to enjoy life outside of golf as much as you can and you have to enjoy the good rounds and the good stuff and got to celebrate that more you know when you hit a great drive when you hold a 30 footer instead of just trying to keep an even keel because that's what i was You're taught when i was off. younger yeah yeah enjoy it you know that's what we do that's what we're trying to do but it's hard because that's not how I, i've sort of programmed myself to be over the years and some guys are great at it they they go out there and just have a great time and and enjoy it and play with complete freedom and that's something i'm trying to improve and try and break down some of those mental rules that i've created over the years um that it's you know we always latch on to things that have, have happened at the same time we've had success and you put that down to part of it but actually when you really dig into it that's that's not necessarily the case it's just it's it's just not all these rules you you can go and have a great round of golf you know i could go out tomorrow and not warm up walk to the first tee and go and have a great round of golf well it doesn't, you know, that works. You don't have to, you know, go for, go to the gym for half an hour in the morning, have an hour warm up. You've got to do something certain for breakfast. You've got to get eight hours sleep. It's, it's just not like that. And, and that's certainly, um, a kind of a routine that I created to, because it had worked in the past. And, you're, and now you're I'm trying to give yourself the best chance, but there's no guarantee of, of any of it yeah. working. And just because you yeah. go to the first tee doing nothing and you have a good round, doesn't mean that's the best way to continue going exactly. forward. Exactly. You just have to be very adaptable. You know, things change. We're traveling all the time. There's hiccups. Things crop up. Um, you, you've just got to go with the flow a little and, and enjoy it and, and go and play and know that when you, you work hard, you, you do put all these things in place, but they're not rigid. Um, you, you can skip it if you need be. You know, it's not going to have a direct result. You know, we've been playing professional golf for, for uh, 16 years, you know, I know what I'm doing. I should be able to go out there and just play. And, and that's freeing me up more and, and building more confidence, knowing that um, it, it's in there. Um, and um, you, yeah, you, you don't have to do everything 
exactly perfect all the time to have a good round of golf. These lessons that you pick up over the years, Ali, say, I don't know, maybe things you've learned that are maybe red flags for you, you know, you need to stay away from or reminders that you need. Do you ever, uh, do you write these things down? Do you keep any sorts of kind of journals or, or diaries as reminders for things you want to stay on top of? Or do you just kind of do it by, by feel and more in your head? Um, sorry, can you still hear me? Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I've got notes all over the place. Um, I've got on my phone, on my laptop, um, paper form. Um, I write a lot, a lot of things down. They're a little bit scattered. They're not certainly not as um, organised as I like them. But um, yeah, I think it's really important, and I've I've tried to be a bit better this year in, in keeping things more organised, so I can track what does work from week to week um, in correlation with stats and training, and trying to find that kind of sweet spot of consistency, but um, not making it too rigid um, along with the mental thoughts. And, um, you know, one thing that I've tried to do this year is trying to book more time off. I find it very hard to rest and recover and just schedule time off family time, holiday, whatever it may be, things that I really want to do that I enjoy doing outside of golf. I'm trying to schedule that more. And so that I know that I've got something to look forward to in three or four weeks that I really want to do. Um, that's something that I've never really planned. I've always said I'll do it then and then you get round to it and you never end up doing it. So you, end of the year, you've not really had much time off. Um, and that's one of the things I've always struggled with. Um, and so that's one thing that's definitely improved this year. And I guess through through the notes and stuff that I've kept, I've, I've realised actually a lot of my good results have been weeks before I've planned stuff. You know, I might, I'm sort of excited to have a week yeah. off and my expectation drops a little bit. Um, my excitement levels are up and I'm, although I've, I'm concentrating on my golf, I'm also thinking a little bit about what I'm going to do the following week when I get home. And, and that's really helped. Um, so I'm trying to do that a little bit more. Excellent. So you've, you've spoken about how your, like, obviously your life has changed from when you came on tour, like a, a single man to a married man with, with the family and how that's changed sort of your, your relationship with golf. Would you say that your hunger and ambition is still some, is still similar, like how good you want to get, or is that also changed a little bit based on the factors, way more other things in your life that you're, that you prioritize? Um, it's definitely changed. I mean, I was very, very, very locked on and hungry for, for certain, um, goals I guess when I first came on tour and when I was younger but now I'm still hungry to achieve things and win um, but I just have a wider perspective and also there's more things in my life that I want to do outside of golf um, but there's still goals that are, there's lots of goals that I haven't achieved yet um, and I really want to get there um, and the good thing yeah I've kept myself fit I'm in I'm in good shape so I've got plenty of time to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's definitely changed. It's definitely, it's not as important as, as I thought it was. It's not my life. It's not everything anymore. Um, yeah. But I'm still as 
as hungry as I can be with, with all the other stuff going on. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Ali, I really appreciate uh, the time you took to, to share some of those great insights with us. I don't want to keep you up too late. I know uh, you'll be needing to get your sleep for your practice and lugging your bag up the hills in Cyprus tomorrow. So um, we leave it there. And uh, your next win on the European Tour will be uh, your second Fit for Golf podcast appearance. Sounds good. It's, it's a deal. I look forward right. to it. Yeah. Thanks a million, Ali. Thanks, mate. Cheers.